Hello, I'm Michael Serapio, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Tonight on Primetime Politics, defending his decision. There was the use of uh, children as human shields, uh, deliberately. The Prime Minister testifies at the Rouleau inquiry, explaining why he invoked the Emergencies Act. There was not confidence that we were on a track to getting the national emergency under control. Also explaining why he believed the protest amounted to a national emergency, we'll share details of Justin Trudeau's testimony and assemble our strategists to assess the impact of the Prime Minister's words. This is Primetime Politics. Hello everyone, I'm Michael Serapio. It is rare for a sitting Prime Minister to appear before a public commission, but that is what happened today. Justin Trudeau testifying before the Rouleau inquiry, explaining his reasons for invoking the Emergencies Act, as he answered question after question under cross-examination. With the mayor and who? Some of the convoy organizers. Which ones? Well, Tamara Leach, who's present here in this room, signed a letter. It was made publicly available on the news on Sunday, February 13th, and you were advised of that agreement at the IRG meeting. And we were also advised uh, that that agreement wasn't holding and that many of the convoy had decried it as uh, fake news and not actually an agreement that they would abide by. The Prime Minister's testimony wraps up this portion of the Rouleau inquiry. And to discuss what was shared, we are joined once again by our journalist panel. Joanna Smith is the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Canadian Press. Chris Nardi is parliamentary reporter for the National Post. Good to see both of you. You too, Michael. Hi, Michael. Good to see you. Now, listen, before we get into the details, I actually wanted to begin with your impressions. As I said, not often that we see a sitting prime minister testify before an inquiry, but Justin Trudeau said he wants Canadians to know, uh, quote, the inputs the government had to deal with. So, Joanna, what do you make of the prime minister's testimony? Was he open enough? I think it presented its case well in the sense that I believe they all felt they were justified in invoking the Emergencies Act, but whether they were legally justified in doing so is still under that black box, as one of the commission lawyers said, because of that missing way. But he sort of, in his you know really key part of his testimony, let us in a little bit into what he was thinking um, exactly in the moment. It was 3.41 p.m. on February 14th when he received what he called the decision note from the clerk of the Privy Council, the head, you know, top civil servant in Canada, recommending the Emergencies Act be invoked. And he said he thought to himself, okay, what if I don't sign it? What if I wait a few days? And he sort of walked us through an imaginary scenario in which he waits a few days or doesn't do it. And maybe a police officer ends up in hospital. Maybe things get so much worse. Um, so I, I think he, you know, and then he said that he could potentially have been ended up testifying uh, before a public inquiry for very different reasons. Um, so I think he he did answer that question directly in the sense that 
if he, as Prime Minister, ultimately bears responsibility for this decision, um, then he confirmed that it, it was, in fact, his decision. But at the same time, he made it clear that he was getting all these inputs, that word we keep hearing over and over again, um, that he was, he was comfortable. He was, in fact, absolutely serene in making the decision because of those inputs, in particular the sign-off from the head of Canada's public service. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so, yes, it was his decision, but he talked very much about being a consensus around the table. Yeah, consensus around the, the table. But again, here he is answering these questions and, as you say, being reflective at times. Chris, what did you make of uh, the Prime Minister's testimony? Again, a rare event in this country. Was he open enough? Did Trudeau answer the questions directly enough? Well, he answered the questions, but ultimately, uh, Michael, the issue is is that we still have that kind of key missing piece of information that we've talked about all week, and it is the legal advice that was, he said, given verbally by David Lametti, the Justice Minister, to Cabinet on the day before the Emergencies Act was invoked, and that basically explains their definition of the Emergencies Act and how, or the threshold basically required to invoke it. He did, though, dive a little bit more into the legal argument than I think any previous uh, witness has this week. He basically explained that the part of the CSIS Act definition of a threat to national security that they were really intently focused on was the one that had to do with ideological or political, politically motivated violence. And that was the ma main core of the assessment that they were looking at in trying to determine if the Freedom Convoy did in fact pose a threat to Canada, both economically, both because of violence and because of the threat of weapons. He talked about, you know, children being used as barriers at protests. He talked about a car that was run into a police car and into the, 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 the police, generally speaking, in Coots, Alberta. Like, that was all part of this larger, broader definition of a threat to national security that Cabinet considered. Um, so it's a little bit of insight, but obviously he didn't waive that solicitor-client privilege that we've been hearing about all week. Um, so I think that the Commission will still be hitting their head uh, against the wall for that. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I think Joanna made a good point. You know, and I, I too was wondering after she mentioned the, the introspectiveness that he can have sometimes, uh, if that would appear today, and to certain you know degrees it does. He did say that he looked at the piece of paper uh, that would invoke the EA and basically wondered, what happens if I don't do this? But, you know, as Joanna mentioned, he's completely serene with that decision, obviously has no regrets, and we'll see if the commissioner, you know, eventually determines that he should. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, and again, to, to, to your point, something that's been raised ever since David Lametti made his appearance at the commission, the exact legal advice given by the Department of Justice has not yet been shared. Although I do want to play uh, that portion of the testimony that you're talking about, Chris, that portion where essentially the Prime Minister points to the CSIS definition for a national emergency. Let's take a listen to his testimony. That was what we were looking at. Is that threshold met? Are there activities supporting the threats or acts of serious violence, a threat of serious violence for political or ideological goals? Um, if that threshold was met in our reasoned opinion, then that part of invoking a public order emergency was met. The other part of it is, does it constitute a national emergency? And there's elements on that that I won't get into unless you, and you ask me about. But I was very much focused on, was this bar hit, yes or no, for the purposes of invoking uh, the Emergencies Act? 
Okay, Joanna, what's interesting about that is there has been, as both of you know, been a lot of discussion uh, as to whether or not the government was bound by the CSIS definition of a national threat. But here you have Justin Trudeau referencing a definition within the CSIS Act itself. So how far, Joanna, does that go in justifying the invocation? I think we're getting a little bit more insight into their thinking on this. I mean, when, when previously officials came and talked about the CSIS Act definition being too narrow. They were talking about it, like Jody Thomas, the National Security Advisor in particular, if I recall correctly, was talking about it, its need to be modernized, that it was too narrow because it was maybe out of date. And, and Trudeau framed it a little bit differently today. He talked about it being deliberately narrow and says that's because it was meant to restrain, you know, to frame the activities of CSIS itself, not restrict the government, an elective government, uh, presumably, in a situation like this. And he, he says, you know, he added the government is in fact allowed to accept input from other sources uh, besides CSIS and its definition, including the RCMP, other federal departments and agencies, and that ultimately the decision rests with cabinet. But again, as Chris said, as you said, we keep coming back to that key missing bit of information, the legal analysis that the Department of Justice provided. Everything seems to flow from that. His comfort with the decision uh, that was recommended by the clerk of the Privy Council, she recommended that based also on this decision. So again, we're, we're missing that really key bit of information that allows us to see really clearly exactly what they were considering when they when they made this choice. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, we started by talking about uh, Justin Trudeau's, uh, I guess, performance on the stand today. But I, I want to put the whole government in this past week, their testimony into context, into context rather, because the prime minister was the grand finale, if you will, the last person to testify. Uh, Overall, after weeks of testimony, if the commission is meant to determine whether the invocation was justified, how well did the government, through its ministers this whole week, present its case? Chris? Well, I think it presented a very strong political argument. I think it, pre you know, it presented a very strong emotional argument. You know, there's a lot of people, particularly Ottawa residents or people who were affected by the various blockades across the country who will, you know, relive the testimonies of the last few weeks and, and relive then the, the, you know, the events of the Freedom Convoy protests and say, yeah, yeah, absolutely, that was a situation and we needed to get rid of that regardless of what it took, right? What, who, which government acted, we don't care. Um, so I think on that respect, it's very successful. But ultimately, the Emergencies Act is a law. It requires a legal threshold to invoke it. And I'm not entirely convinced that that legal threshold will be met because, as we've you know talked about extensively this week, it, the, the government's invocation depends on a legal let's say definition that is not necessarily the one that seems written you know pen to paper in the law in the emergencies act and in the definition of the CSIS act so the commissioner I, I really do not envy Paul Rulo but his job will be to look at this and say well does the was the government right to interpret this more broadly without actually having the advice that the government relied on to do so uh, or should we take the law as it's written word for word and say well sorry if CSIS said there was no actual threat to national security then you didn't meet it so the legal argument is the one that's really tough to make and I'm not sure that it was made yeah Joanna what do you think because here you have again the Prime Minister the Deputy Prime Minister, the Defence Minister, the Public Safety Minister, uh, the Transport Minister, all appearing before the Commission. How well did the government present its case? I think it presented its case well in the sense that 
I believe they all felt <laughs> they were justified in invoking the Emergencies Act, but whether they were legally justified in doing so is still under that black box, as one of the commission lawyers said, because of that missing legal analysis. And the other thing that comes to mind is something that's been on my mind since the beginning of inquiry, and frankly, even during the Freedom Convoy itself, even before the Emergencies Act was invoked and it was sort of the idea of it happening was was in the air and in conversations and my reporters were all in the thick of it covering this momentous event was, if the commission ends up determining that it was justified, is it only because things were so badly mismanaged and what could have been done better to prevent things from getting so out of control that anyone even started talking about it? I think that that is what that's not the decision of of the commissioner necessarily, but his part of his mandate is not just to determine whether they were justified in triggering this legislation, but to examine the circumstances around it. And I think what we what we have learned throughout this inquiry through testimony and documents has just confirmed a thousandfold um, what we all sort of saw on the outside from the outset was that this was just so overwhelmingly uh, mismanaged and out of control to the point where maybe it ended up being justified just because up to that point people had not been doing their jobs properly. Well, we await the final report from uh, Commissioner Rouleau. Uh, until then, Joanna, Chris, really appreciate the time once again. Thank you for this. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having us. Have a great weekend. You too. As we said earlier, the Prime Minister has stated he waived Cabinet confidence partially at least, for this commission, because he wants Canadians to know the factors his government considered before invoking the Emergencies Act. And while he and his government have been criticized for suspending civil liberties, Trudeau pushes back on that, arguing the very work of this commission is proof that democracy is strong in Canada. Take a listen. And it is a certain amount of comfort that First of all, the system is working as it should, that people who are defending civil liberties are able to say, you really should be careful about doing this, maybe you shouldn't have done it, that we have a system pushing back on this, because it's a big thing, not a small thing to do this. But that also, we were able to solve the situation with it, that there was no loss of life, there was no uh, you know, serious violence, that we were able to get neighborhoods back under control, uh, border, uh, border services opened, and um, there haven't been a recurrence of these kinds of illegal occupations uh, since then. I'm not going to pretend that it's the only thing that could have done it, but it did do it. With more on the Prime Minister's appearance, we're now joined by Susan Smith. She is a Liberal commentator, principal with the Blue Sky Strategy Group. Lisa Raitt is a former deputy leader of the Conservative Party. And Kim Wright is an NDP commentator and the principal of Wright Strategies. Hello to the three of you. Hello. Thanks for having us, Michael. Hi. Hey, Michael. So, uh, you know, to have a sitting Prime Minister testify at a public inquiry, it can be obviously very risky. Susan, do you think the Prime Minister helped or hurt his cause by appearing? I think he helped it. I mean, when have we last seen a Canadian prime minister sit for seven hours and be grilled by lawyers and, and come out standing? Uh, he did. I think the prime minister demonstrated very clearly uh, what was at play. I remind our view, your viewers, for anybody who wasn't living in Ottawa, watching bonfires and jerry cans and bouncy castles and trucks without 
wheels and horn honking. What a horrible situation it was in the nation's capital, the border blockades that were costing us billions a day. So the prime minister, and I think this inquiry has demonstrated that the policing wasn't working. It was a failure of policing, certainly at the local level, right from the get-go. There was a massive amount of confusion and no playbook, no way that um, these these demonstrators, protesters, uh, occupiers were being moved, swayed, or uh, dissuaded from doing what they were doing, showing any signs of leaving. So the Prime Minister invoked the Emergencies Act, and he came and did just what our democracy um, provides for in this case. If you invoke something that's at this level, the legislation says you must come uh, and there must be a hearing and there must be a report. And I think by waiving cabinet confidence, by having cabinet members attend and by the prime minister himself standing there, going there and saying, I had to make a leadership decision based on all of the factors, all the evidence, all of the advice. And this is what we did and guess what, it worked and nobody got heard. It was the right thing to do. Uh, Lisa, what do you make of the Prime Minister's testimony? His government, as we said, has been criticized for suspending civil liberties with the invocation. Did he present a credible argument? Did he help his case? So that's two different questions. Absolutely. I think he helped his case, but his case wasn't about determining if the Emergencies Act was invoked in a proper way. His case was about making the case to the Canadian public that this was the right thing to do. And I think he did very well on that. But the bigger picture for me, and the one that I think is of most concern, is whether or not, from a legal perspective, that this Emergencies Act was actually invoked for the proper reasons, hitting the right threshold and doing it in a way that was meant to be from the legislation as it was set out in 1985. And we're going to have to see how the commissioner goes through it all. There was a ton of evidence that came prior to the Prime Minister's evidence today. His evidence is not indicative of everything. But what he has done a very good job of is shown that in making the decision, he was reasonable. In his mind, he was reasonable. And that is the test, whether or not it's a reasonable, um, it, whether or not it was reasonable for him to draw the conclusion. But Michael, the test is very high. It's, it's threats to national security of serious violence that go to the sovereignty of the nation that no other law in Canada can deal with. Now, you can't really put all that in one word and then say, but bouncy castles. Those two things don't go together. So there's a high threshold. There's a reasonableness test. I think the prime minister will be found to have met it all at the end of the day. But I wouldn't expect that any other government should take this as precedent setting. This is dangerous stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, Kim, the Prime Minister uh, addressed the flip side as we talk about this because he, he addressed the potential consequence had he not invoked the act. Uh, before you and I speak, uh, let's take a, one more listen to what we heard from Justin Trudeau today. The professional public service had made a determination that the thresholds were met, that the use of it was appropriate and, you know, responsible and the measures were the right ones that we were going to put in it and i said no you know what let's wait and see another few days another week to see if we really need to do it um, first of all what if the worst had happened in those following days what if um, someone had gotten hurt what if a police officer had been uh, put in a hospital uh, what if uh, when I had an opportunity to do something, I had waited and we had unthinkable happen over the coming days, even though there was all this warning that it was possibly coming. 
um, I would have worn that in a way that we would certainly be talking about in a forum such as this. Okay, Kim, uh, what do you make of that tactic from the Prime Minister in trying to say the act was needed by exploring what would have been had it not been invoked? Yeah, it's a bit of a false uh, narrative, but what is staggering to me as I've been watching the not only the hearings and testimonies, but during the convoy itself, this, this was a slow-moving convoy across the country. It wasn't like it just snuck up on people and automatically showed up. You know, there, there's a running adage that, uh, you know, you could uh, your dog could run away in the prairies. You could see it for three or four days. That's what we saw during the convoy. And what we saw was woefully inadequate, inadequate response from law enforcement, politicians, uh, various orders of government, and how they wanted to interact or not interact with one another. And I get that there was also some you know, provincial elections that were flying, the, the, certainly the climate with the federal conservative leader uh, at the time, and people not sure how to, how to deal with this convoy that was really taking hold. But this wasn't something that was new. This was not something that they didn't foresee. They just didn't want to react. And until it was frankly too late and too entrenched, which then created additional problems uh, with our with our largest trading partner in the U.S. when we started seeing border closures, this became uh, inevitably a very bad situation that was going to end up requiring extraordinary measures. So to explore the alternative, not worthwhile. Not really. It, you know, it's it's a justification later on. Uh, maybe it was a bit of how they thought about it at the time. But from from my perspective, uh, this could have been very much avoided uh, in the first place had they taken the convoy as seriously as they were gaining momentum and gaining speed across across the country. Mm -hmm. uh, Lisa, I, I want to pick up on uh, what we heard from the Prime Minister again in that last clip, because you, you've sat in government, of course, and I'm wondering about whether or not the consideration that he's putting out there, the, the flip side argument, if you will, does anything to to sway a legal argument, and, and you, you're making the distinction between political and legal, and the very fact that uh, he says, Trudeau says, Lisa, that uh, the threshold was met, does any of that sway your, your opinion? Well, I, you know, I don't really have an opinion on, on whether or not they met the threshold. I believe that the Prime Minister feels that the threshold was met and it was reasonable for him to do so. And I think that's what, the, what this commission will find. Whether or not you can paint scenarios of what would happen if I didn't invoke the Emergencies Act, I don't know how relevant that is to assessing whether or not there is a serious threat to somebody's safety and security. Um, in the moment. But that being said, these are all things that went to his thoughts, his mind when he made the decision. They're all appropriate to be considered, and it's up to the commissioner as to whether or not they were reasonable in nature. Mm -hmm. Now that, uh, of course, we're now going to wait for a final report from the commissioner. Uh, that's still months away. But, you know, ahead of that, Kim, you referenced it a little bit. But, but I am wondering how you think Justin Trudeau will be judged by the Canadian public for invoking the act. Uh, we'll go one by one. Susan, I'll begin with you. I think it, when he invoked the Emergencies Act, the public opinion was in favor of it. More than 70% of the Canadian public thought was supportive of him invoking the act. Uh, I think this testimony is going to reinforce and this commission is going to reinforce why it was a good idea. We saw the commission lawyers have to be tossed out of the room for sort of insubordinate behavior towards the judge. There have been wacky questions, theory, conspiracy theories floated on that side. It's clear um, it, that Canada needed the Emergencies Act to be invoked. I remind people as well that it was invoked 
things moved, things happened, and the convoy stopped, and then it was repealed very, very quickly. So it worked. I think the Prime Minister's decision will stand, and I think Canadian public opinion in terms of whether or not that was the right thing to do will continue to stand on the yes side. Lisa? No, I think I think this is going to be looked upon in the future, and legal and analysis will go through it, and whether or not it was an appropriate infringement on people's civil liberties at the time, after you take out all of the emotion around the convoy and, and what was happening. And, and there'll be a hard look at the Emergencies Act. I think that already officials are saying they have to take a look at Emergencies Act, because it's a bit stunning to me that you can invoke the Emergencies Act with such I would say subjective points of view as to whether or not there's a serious threat. As Susan points out, there was no violence prior to this. We're talking about only a threat of violence. And but, as a result, Lisa, it was... Mm -hmm. Lisa, there was harassment of the people that were going on in the streets. I think that the, the level of intensity, and it was a tinderbox in Ottawa. And sure, people weren't beating each other with sticks, but they were defecating on lawns. They were harassing people who yeah. were wearing masks. There was all kinds of, like the level of, of potential for violence was unbelievable. I'm an Ottawa resident. I've been here my entire, virtually yeah. my entire life. I have never felt like this. So I think the level yeah. for violence was there. The prime minister himself said these people didn't want to be heard. They wanted to be obeyed. They wanted to overthrow the government. What went on in yeah. Coots, Alberta and what was discovered with the guns and the Diagalon conspiracy folks and where they were going to go. And then the blockade at Windsor, I think the level of activity that was going on across the country very much justified in invocating it. And when you talk about quickly running out of time, you have to look at the civil liberties broadly. Okay, Lisa, a quick, no. <laughs> quick reaction to that. All I'm going to say is if you change the flavor of the protest and put a different government in place, you may come to a different conclusion. And that's the fear that I have going forward. I think it was a very light test that was applied in this case to suspend people's civil liberties. Uh, Kim, you got 30 seconds. Uh, how do you think Justin Trudeau will be judged? Look, I think all of this conversation about the Emergencies Act invocation is analogous to the use of the notwithstanding clause. If you like the right. people who are using it, uh, great, have at it, but it gets used. Yeah. Once it starts getting used, it's gonna continue and continue and continue to be used and, and not for frankly the good of democracy. I agree, Kim, I agree. Well, with that, thank you very much to the three of you. Really appreciate the insight. Uh, Susan Smith, Lisa Raitt, Kim Wright, appreciate the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. You bet. And that is our program for tonight. I'm Michael Serapio. For everyone here at CPAC, thank you for watching. We'll see you again tomorrow.